welcome to another episode of Laugh Not to Cry. I'm your host, Jeremy GJ, and let's just jump right into it. Yeah. So, first topic today is communication with your partner. Mm, let's try it again. Communication with your partner. Mm, that was much clearer. I like that a lot better. So, um, just going through some things in my personal life and now they're just gonna become part of the podcast um so there are many different ways that people communicate yeah some people are better communicating verbally some people communicate most well humans in general communicate mostly through body language some more so than others and then some people communicate through um like written things are better for them because they can take more time to flesh out whatever ideas they have that they want to communicate um whatever works for you and your partner or your future partner make sure that those those tools are available so that you can work through your problems um something that I've been you know trying out for the last few years is just being open with my thoughts and my feelings with my partner which is daunting and scary because it is the most vulnerable you can ever be just kind of putting it out there and not knowing how someone will react and how you know it might change the dynamic of how you're um, relating to each other but I found for the most part that has been, um, it's been very useful. Um, it's been very, um, transcendent in how my relationships, not with just like intimate relationships, but just with relationships in general have, um, become stronger or have for the better dissolved, um, because Sometimes we hold back on what we really want to say and what we really feel in order to try to keep a relationship going, no matter if it's a friendship or something more. Um, and that we, that causes people to start to harbor hatred and resentment and a lot, causes a lot of frustration because these things are not being aired out and they're not being dealt with in the moment they're being dealt with you know when all of those things have been bottled up uh shaken up and then released under pressure so um for me i know personally like getting at it as soon as it comes to my head and as soon as it like something annoys me or something that you know i don't understand or why the reaction was that way or um you know, clearing up any miscommunications as quickly as possible has, for me, been the best way to deal with the complexities of, you know, relating to another human because we all have our own things going on in our head and we all have preconceived notions and we all have, you know, um, connotations for different phrases and tones and um, things of that nature. So being upfront about what you're thinking and what you're feeling, although very vulnerable, very, you know, just kind of gaping wide open your heart, it's, it's useful if you want to like reach a new plateau. And it's hard. It's really hard because, you know, you get hurt so often in life just from small things that, you know, over time you just become jaded and it just, you know, you've built this wall to protect yourself and, you know, you want it to be impenetrable because you don't want to feel, you don't want to feel that hurt. Um, you don't want to, you know, go down a road that could lead to like self-destruction of sorts. But if you're with someone that you really trust and you want it to be a long-standing thing, you have to be able to open that communication. And communicating is not just you talking. It's, you know listening to when the other person has problems and then being able to it's not there's no way to completely make it objective because it's about you 
So make it as objective as possible. You know, put yourself in that position. And try to see if you can understand that that way of thinking, and see if the logic follows, and see if you can come to some, you know, compromise that works for the both of you. And also sometimes it's just you've done something to hurt someone, and you can't magically make that hurt go away. You know, you have to be willing to, you know, kind of just eat it on the chin and, you know, let them have their time for forgiveness. Um, I was just having this conversation, you know, I was talking to someone, they said, you know, I don't want you to feel like you have to forgive me as soon as I apologize. And because I they apologized and I said, you know, I accept your apology. And I had to make it clear that forgiving and accepting someone's apology are two separate things. Because I can accept your apology, meaning that I felt your apology was sincere, that it came from the heart, that you meant it. But that doesn't mean that I've forgiven you as soon as, I, as, soon as I've accepted your apology. It just means that we're at the starting point of me forgiving you and you may never know when I forget forgiving you for that thing you may it may come you know immediately it may come years down the road you never know so you can't ever tell someone that you didn't hurt them because you're not them you don't know how it affected them so you have to be willing to just if someone says hey what you did upset me it hurt me I didn't like it the best thing you can do is say, I am sorry. I truly mean that I'm sorry. I did not mean to hurt you. And I would try my best to do better. You know, there's that clears up the whole like, well, well, you just misunderstood. No, once you go down that road, it just leads to more turmoil. And some people will get into that fighting match. Me, I'm not one of those people. I'm one of those people who's like, all right, and I'll swallow it. And, you know, it'll just kind of fester for a while. And then when there's another big thing, it just starts to compound and then I just pop. So I deal with it in the moment so it doesn't fester and, you know, just kind of let it let it out, let it air out. And usually I say about 95 percent of the time it is resolved in a, a shorter amount of time. It's not completely done, of course. It never is, but it never happens that uh, that quickly, but it can, you know, speed the process along so that, you know, the same thing doesn't happen again and you're not repeating the same behavior and, you know, just kind of pouring salt in the wound. So be clear about how you communicate. I'm someone who's very good with words and, um, articulating what I'm thinking and speaking um, so I can talk to my partner and get uh, get across clearly what I'm feeling and how I'm thinking and how, why I, how I got to that and trace the logic for myself so that it's clear for them as well but some people you know it takes them a bit longer so they have to write it out be willing to read that communication that comes to them. If that's something that makes sense to you, make sure you start practicing that, making sure that um, your writing is clear enough for other people to write, to read, not just in the sense of like it being legible, but in the sense of it being coherent. And I know sometimes when we get a train of thought, we just, our thoughts just kind of ramble and go on. But if you want someone else to read it, you have to make sure that it's, you know, in a fashion that is digestible. Um, and you just gotta, yeah, just continually find ways to express yourself and, um, just be clear, just be clear in all your actions and intentions at all times. And so linking in with communicating with your partner, um, there are a lot of you know, rules and boundaries people set for the types of relationships that they want to be in. Um, and shout out to my friend Ty. She gave me this uh, this topic and I hadn't thought about it at all. 
Um, and one of those boundaries has a lot to do with sex. And um, the topic she brought up specifically was premarital sex. And this is a funny one for me because I've been on both sides of the argument now. Um, and, you know, upon reflection, a lot of things have changed in my life. And this is going to be, you know, kind of interesting for me to talk about now. So before I was very much, you know, anti-premarital sex. Um, you know, grew up in a very, you know, Christian household, you know, um, and as a high school, I was super, super judgy, but also super, just super scared. Um, I am one of those people who like learns from watching other people and, you know, trying not to follow in people's footsteps in a manner where like. It can be perceived negative and things of that nature. And, you know, my mom had me when she, my mom and dad had me when they were young. And, you know, just watching that cycle and watching, you know, other people go through that was something I really didn't want to be a part of. And, you know, I just very much remember having a conversation when I was younger with my mom and basically when you know you asked her what sex was and she was like something that happened between a man and a woman when they really love each other you know and you know but she was like you know there's no need to rush you know she's not i'm not gonna ask you to wait until you're married but if you can that'd be great and i was like i promise mommy i won't have sex before i'm married and you know i really stuck like that that promise really stuck in my head and I couldn't I had to be somewhere like six seven years old like I was pretty young and like remember that conversation you know pretty vividly um and it um it really informed like all of my moves and decisions that I made as a as a teenager and then you know being in high school and hearing about people having sex and actually was it high school it probably was like in the middle school people were already having sex because I remember coming in freshman year and people like we had at least two people that were pregnant already and I just thought it was thought it was wild you know um and you know going to church we were in church like five days out of the week so you know having that that thought in your head you know um, oh, that's what it was like going to health fairs at the church, and we had a nurse, and she would bring in pictures of people with like genital warts and things like that. So I was scared out of my mind <laughs> about anything that had to do about sex. And even though we had like comprehensive like sex ed in my school district, which is not the case for most people, it still was just like too much of a risk. And anyone who knows me knows that I am not that much of a risk taker um i i will quickly live vicariously through other people before i will stick my neck out for most things um that's one of the reasons i don't drink that's one of the reasons i don't smoke i don't i don't need to experience it to understand uh i know there's some complex there are complexities about it and the feelings and blah 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 but for me watching you do it is enough <laughs> I don't need any more. And so that was my stance on sex for a very, very long time. And it was just weird being in high school and hearing people talk about sex and then people turning to me assuming that I had already had sex. And I was like, no, I haven't. And they're like, Psh, you're lying. And I'm like, what high schooler would lie about not having sex like that's not the cool thing y'all are all bragging about having sex why would i lie and put myself in a position that makes me look like the weird one out right so you know i asked someone one day why they thought i hadn't had sex yet or thought why i had sex and she was like oh you just seem so confident and willing and I was just like 
Wait, what? Who? Wait, wait. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on, one second. I was just so confused by this whole this whole phrase. One, the confident part. So because I was sure of who I was, even though I wasn't, even though it appeared to be that I was confident in who I was, I I couldn't be a virgin. Okay, and willing. What impression was I giving off that I was just willing to be out here throwing dick all willy-nilly in high school? I don't know. I have no idea what any of that phrase meant. And it still befuddles me from this day. And I think she told me that like my 10th or 11th, when I was in 10th or 11th grade. So I, I did not understand. And, you know, um... I was, yeah, I was super, super judgy of people who drank, who smoked, who had sex at an early age. I just thought it was just the most irresponsible thing you could do. Um, And, like, I go back through my Facebook posts at the time, and I cringe because I was just so, I think I was trying to go so hard in the opposite direction so that I wouldn't end up doing it. You know, um, sometimes people, when they have like strong notions about something, they go, you know, the extreme opposite of whatever it is so that they don't feel like they will fall victim to it. But sometimes that backfires or sometimes you just you just alienate yourself and no one wants to be around you. And that sort of happened, although I still have people who want to talk to me and things of that nature. It just made me you know, less likely to be invited to parties or less likely to, you know, be asked to hang out or whatever because I was the weird kid who didn't do anything except school. So um that we fast forward, you know, you know, my senior, my junior senior year I'm starting to soften up a little bit. Um and it was always just weird for me anyway in school because I was always one of the youngest people because of you know, I went to school, I think a little bit early, like skipped half a grade or whatever. So I was always really young for my grade. So while everyone was like already like blossoming and things, I was still like, I was supposed to be a year behind. So now I'm starting to catch up the idea that everyone's, you know, everyone else has kind of figured out. I'm just kind of learning on my own. And you know, my junior senior year now I'm friends now I'm friends with people who are having sex already and, you know, having these conversations and, you know, just sort of figuring out that I even wanted to do anything sexually. Um, because there wasn't at before then it wasn't like I never had any actually any like thoughts about actually doing something sexual with anybody it was just kind of like you know I understood what an erection was I understood what masturbation was like that was enough but then you know human nature starts to take over so you know those conversations and things started to like kind of like soften me up a little bit and like I stopped I start I stopped being so judgy I start being less judgy um, because these are people that I know. These are people that I respect. These are people who are my peers, who are people who are just as smart as I am or smarter. And they're doing these, they're having sex and they seem to be okay. And, um, you know, it just kind of changed my view a bit. And so we fast forward to undergrad and that's, I end up losing my virginity then. And, you know, it was really kind of hard because, uh, no pun intended. Oh my god, <laughs> awful. Um, it was it was a it was a hard decision for me to make because I was still very much holding on to this promise that I made my mother, which was you know really neither here nor there, um, and like. But it's to me at the time 
for most of my life, it was something that I was holding on to so very dear because the one person I never want to disappoint in this world is my mother. Um, that's my ride or die. That's my will be there for me always. And so, you know, having that kind of having that tug that way, but having the tug of just being human and being, you know, a young man, it's just like, you know, I'm away from home. You know, this is the first time I'm experiencing any type of freedom. This is the first time I'm like, really just like have somebody like really be into me like that deep and um yeah I like I literally cried afterwards because I just felt so like sad that I like broke this promise to my mom but also just like but also was like relieved that I like let go of all like these preconceived notions and like allowing myself to live a little bit you know and of course I was safe and I took all the precautions that I needed to but it was just like such a freeing thing um and so oddly enough I did end up calling my mom and she was she just reassured me that she was like I kind of figured that would happen you're going it's going to happen that's life you know um she was like I never one I don't remember that conversation but two like I'm just proud of you for even sticking to like that and having holding hold to holding dear to that but you know these things happen and you're okay there's nothing wrong with you and that that right there parents if I have any parents or future parents have those type of conversations with your kids have those conversations that you know if they feel like they've disappointed you, reassure them that it's okay. Like life happens, things happen. You be supportive, be there for them so that they will come talk to you about things later. Because if my mom had not responded in that way, our relationship probably would have gone down the toilet from there. Because that was a very pivotal point in my life. And if she just kind of shat on that moment and made me feel worse then. I wouldn't go to her and talk to her about personal things now. So just when your child is going through something significant and they decide to come to you because they feel like those communication lines are open, be sure to be there and be supportive. And, you know, even if it's not what you want to hear, even if it's opposite of what you thought would happen or what you would have hoped to happen, just be supportive of your child and, you know, love them love them as much as you can and hold them dear um so that's that's where my thinking is coming from to go into it into a broad um discussion of it so that's just a little background so my thoughts on premarital sex now are they're kind of, kind of like it should be like a prerequisite <laughs> for you know if you're going to further your relationship with someone, um, we, for a lot of people, because we do have ace people who don't necessarily want to express their love and emotions via, you know, sexual interactions. Um, but for a lot of people, um, that type, that level of intimacy is how they express how they feel. And, um, and, you know, one thing I used to hold on to was like, if you're not having sex to have a baby, then why are you having sex? Um, you know, another argument trying to just defend my point of why I wasn't having sex. Um, but for a lot of people, too, is the only way of release. It's the only way of, you know, um, actually finding some type of enjoyment is that interaction with other people. And so for... I can't imagine now marrying someone I did not have a good sexual chemistry with. Um, and like going to it blind, you know. Um, I think understanding, having an understanding of where your partner is sexually and all of those things is very important in, in order to, you know, make the dynamic work now i'm not saying that relationships are all about sex because obviously they're not there's a lot more that 
comes with that and that's communication as you know what baggage are you carrying as there's a lot of other things that play a part in it but if you two are not in sync especially on that and it's like really important to someone but it's not important to someone else that can be caused a fissure and it can cause ruptures in a relationship it it can cause it can lead to cheating it can lead to you know contempt and you know another thing that somebody is harboring you know frustration and resentment about so even if you're not going to have sex with that person and have a relationship the the ideas of what you think sex is and how important it is to you needs to be expressed um i also think that line of communication needs to happen before you have sex with someone right what are your intentions what are your you know plans right if you're just there for sex you need to make sure someone knows that if you think that you know you're more you're someone who more than likely will catch feelings after you have sex with someone you need to express that um if you're like in a weird place where you like love someone else but this is like you're trying to explore new things and things get hairy you know you need to make sure that whoever you're about to be intimate with understands your thinking before you get intimate um so for me I don't think at this point in my life I would you know, like jump into a marriage with someone without at minimum having a discussion about sex. But I also think like it would be really hard if I were to marry someone, we hadn't had sex and then we get to that pivotal moment and we're not compatible because sometimes it just happens. Um, physiologically that can happen, mentally that can happen. You know, so you can love so much about someone and then it still not work out in a bedroom, you know. So I don't know if you if you're like super religious and that's not the way you go. That's cool, too. If you're just just like, nope, I just don't want to be out here in these streets. That's OK, too. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying for people who are like borderline on the fence, like, eh, I'm still, I'm kind of thinking about it. I'm just not sure. I would say, you know, make sure it's someone you really trust. Make sure it's because we do, we share energy with people when we are that closely connected. So make sure it's someone you know, you vibe well with. Make sure it's someone you communicate well with before you step into that arena because. Once it's done, it's done, fam. You can't take it back. So, yeah, just be, just be clear, and understand, understand who you are dealing with, and you know the possible repercussions of it, and make sure that it is talked out thoroughly and fully. Um, but yeah, great topic. Thanks again, Ty. Um, the next thing I want to talk about because. This is new for me as a young adult, and I've heard about it, heard it talked about around me, but, you know, had no understanding of it until now, is this concept of buying health insurance. So with my current employer, I am not insured through this company. I left the job with full benefits, 401k, health insurance, PTO, all that good stuff for this job that I have moving people because I was sick of sitting at a desk staring at a screen gaining too much weight so I decided I need something more active in order to get me fit so I can dance the way I want to dance and you know just be feel better and fit in my clothes better and be in a better mental space because I feel good about my body so in the grand scheme of things, I lost my health insurance. 401k, cool, whatever, I can figure that out. I already I figured out how to trade in stocks. I can figure that out on my own. Um, no, I do miss PTO, it's lovely. Um, but 
the thing that's really bugging me is like being without health insurance because you know I'm just a young adult I do a, two jobs that like injuries are you know people are prone to have injuries I already have a lot of injuries um, and I just I like to have my regular checkups and you know I'm kind of I'm in the process of getting my HPV vaccination so I don't want to pay for that out of pocket so I decided okay well I'm just gonna go and buy some health insurance I guess so I had heard about the healthcare marketplace and basically is set up where you as a private citizen can go buy health insurance that's not issued through the place that you work and I'm scrolling through all these plans and they suck they are like they suck the way our health care system is set up sucks and I knew that already I understood that when I had my insurance through my um, job and the level of deductible and all that bullshit but it sucks it absolutely is trash hot fire garbage um like the amount for the deductible is like crazy for like most of them and then like it was like you're you have an eight thousand dollar deductible it's like what what how often are you expecting me to be at the doctor to get an eight thousand dollar deductible so you're telling me i have to pay eight thousand dollars and medical bills before you chip in why do i have you like so basically i have a car to say that i have health insurance but you're not paying anything until i pay eight grand but for but for why like it it just absolutely made no sense to me and then to still have like co-pays or like you know it's you don't pay anything once you've paid your deductible it's like all right so i'll just go get two new legs and pay eight grand and then go to the doctor for my regular stuff you know so you can pay for it like i don't i don't get it and then the 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 health insurance plans didn't include dental or vision what like what do you mean like if i getting health insurance i need to see and i need to use my mouth to eat food to stay alive so how do you not include vision and dental so i had to buy a separate dental plan in order to go to the dentist and that still has a deductible although the deductible is a hundred dollars and you can very easily spend over a hundred dollars at the dentist so that's that seems reasonable but i was just looking but again no vision there was not a separate one to buy vision like so if my eyes stop working tomorrow I just have no insurance to go get glasses to go to the optometrist. Nothing. Just I just I just got to eat that, right? That just got to come out my pocket. Like what is this? I just the country is so money hungry that they have one made us think that what we pay for medical expenses is what it costs and then two like well i had a second point i'm losing it what was it please come back to me um made us think that health insurance you know medical expenses are what they cost actually Oh, and then, like, they don't help you. Like, health insurance doesn't, just doesn't seem to help you. Like, okay, my Ohio dad, you know, I have a whole family down here that, like, takes care of, care of me and looks out for me, blah, blah, blah. Uh, health insurance helped him. They had to pay ten grand 
but you know he had to have surgery on his back he had to get two new knees uh surgery on his toes surgery on his hands surgery on his arm okay he met his deductible and then everything after that he didn't have to pay cool awesome i can see how that's beneficial because now they're not paying more than 10 grand they just had to pay the initial 10 grand 10 grand is still a lot of money for a lot of people though but after the 10 grand he didn't have to pay you know 100 grand everything else is covered by insurance awesome i don't need any of these things i don't need any major surgeries so that means in a year it is unlikely that i will meet an eight thousand dollar deductible which means that I have health insurance just to show the card, but I'm still paying. If I have to pay $1,000 out of my pocket, that is still a lot of money for someone who only makes 30 grand a year. That is a lot. It is a lot. Oh, that was the point. This is why we need universal health care. This is why I was really rooting for Bernie because out of everything else, he said, great cool socialization of people you know making sure people have money so they can do things universal health care just made the most sense to me because you already take money out of my check for things i don't want i don't care about the military that much to be having that much of my taxes taken out because they have plenty of money as it is you haven't given me my transnational high-speed electric train like I keep asking for. So at minimum, you can give me health care that doesn't cost me. I, the plan I'm paying for is like almost $200 a month. And it covers almost nothing because... Even as I was scrolling up to the $400 a month plan, I realized they really covered nothing. The deductible just went down. And not even by that much. So it was just like, well, I might as well get the, you know, the one that covers basic shit. Like going to get a checkup or, you know, if I have a cough or sniffle, it won't cost me, you know, 30 grand to go sit in the ER. But it's just like. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. And it, the system's broken and it doesn't work. It needs fixed bad. That's it. It needs fixed bad. And the people who are not allowing it to be fixed or not coming up with true fixes need slapped. And that's about it. Because I'm sick of these old people who've been in these positions forever, who have lots more money than I do, making decisions about things that affect my everyday and it doesn't affect them anyway because even if they had to go get private insurance they could pay for it out of pocket and it not bother them at all right i am a single male so that means i have no dependents so that means y'all take more of my money because i'm decided to not have kids early because i knew i could not afford them so sometimes it feels like the government is punishing me for being responsible because I knew I could not afford kids. So they're like, yeah, we will take more of that and not give you anything back because, you know, you don't have anyone that depends on you because you chose not to have kids. Just like, what? No, I am still poor. <laughs> I am poor. I cannot feed myself sometimes. So give me my money back. Thank you. That would be most appreciated. But no. So. <sighs> that. Yeah. That frustrated me. It, But. For people who need to buy. Health insurance. Because it is not provided by your. Co-work, by your um, employer. Sorry. You can go to the. You know. Healthcare marketplace. And. They will get all of your information. To help you. You know. See if you, you know, 
qualify for Medicaid or not, and depending on how much you make, somehow for $33,000, I made too much money to qualify for Medicaid, so okay. Uh, but it'll walk you through the whole process, and you can pick out whatever plan you want, and it, it took me an hour. It's not really super tedious or anything. Um, you just kind of got to know what kind of coverage you're looking for, and so yeah, don't go uninsured. Just don't do it. Because some hospitals won't even let you in if you say you don't have insurance. Even if you still have to pay the deductible, they'll just be like, well, you're uninsured, so we can't serve you, which is wild. Um, so don't go without insurance. The same thing with car insurance. Car insurance doesn't work as it should, but make sure you're just your car is insured. Don't be out here riding dirty. It looks bad, especially if something happens. Um, all right, so this one is not really dance, but it's like it affects dance in a way, and this is also from my friend Ty. So, shout out to Ty times two for this one. And so, her second topic that she gave me was hip hop's influence on fashion, and I don't know, I consider myself to be sort of a fashionable guy. Um, I clean up pretty nicely when I want to, but most days I walk around looking like I'm from the 80s because I rock all Adidas. Yeah, that's my shit. Um, I love Adidas. Um, it's my favorite brand and it's my favorite brand because to me, it exemplifies hip hop to the most. Um, there's a whole run DMC song about it. Um, that's what I just referenced for people who don't know. Um, so for me, like, I don't know, just like the b-boy, b-boy culture and things and seeing people rock like Adidas and Kangles and stuff like that. That was what imprinted on me the most. And that's the style that I've like kind of stuck with. So like I have like three or four different, like full Adidas colorways. I got navy blue, I got uh, burgundy, I got green, I got black and white, I'm about to add another colorway, Adidas is about to have all my money, um, but to me, when I'm in it, that's when I feel the most hip-hop, that's when I feel the most, like, part of the culture, um, you know, that's when I feel like if people saw me, they'd be like, yeah, he, he's about that, he's about that life, um, Nike, it just never felt that way for me, it just was like, okay, well, athletes wear wear Nike and like athletes wear Adidas too it's like it's an athletic brand but like the the swag of it is just different um and that's why I just prefer Adidas more um but beyond that like that's even well actually a part of that there's even hip-hop artists that like endorse Adidas like Pharrell um run DMC of course and like they're they like make collaborations and they have like dope things where they like have like quote-unquote streetwear that really represents the culture um and the zeitgeist like they they're part of it um but hip-hop has also taken another route where it's gone like this like high fashion route with like well i wouldn't call kanye's easy line high fashion but it is it is different it is different than you know, quote unquote streetwear. It is different than, you know, what a b boy would dance in. It is, you know, it is runaway type stuff. It is stuff that you would see in a catalog. It's the stuff you would see on magazines. And then people like like the ASAP Fur crew, like they've taken it even further and how they've like morphed like this streetwear but high fashion sensibilities together. And, you know, it has changed how people like dress in music videos and how they dress when they come out and it even affects like how athletes dress because um they are you know what is the word oh it's right there and i can't they are they are copying that's not the word i was looking for but they are like copying that type of style that's coming from like these hip-hop artists and it's like this weird like suave meets like rough look and it's kind of interesting it's not my thing but um i think that 
once again, it's one of those things that like black culture right now is super mainstream. It is it is what everyone wants to be and what everyone wants to imitate. Imitate was the word I was looking for. Um, and so as as more things, the biggest thing about black culture that is popping the most in the mainstream is hip hop. And so as more hip hop artists, you know, dive into this fashion thing, it's going to continually change how these designs look, the language you use when describing this type of fashion wear and things of that nature. The negative side of the influence of hip hop on fashion is the continual uplifting of companies that don't serve the community. Um, you know, people still like you. Ha- we had all of those things with like Gucci and Louis Vuitton and things of that nature, where they were in H and M and stuff like that, where they were putting out stuff that directly was a shot at black people, and these these artists are still supporting them. They are still spending their hard-earned money at Gucci and things of that nature, and you know, making making these companies money that they've kind of made a mockery of us. And so that's the that's the downside of you know a kind of being our culture being mainstream too is that all eyes are on them and they are not necessarily making the right decisions in order to support the community. They're just kind of doing as they do because they don't think it affects anyone but when you're in the spotlight like that even if you don't want to be you are you are leaving an impression on people now that's i that think that has like a like that waiver has a waiver for me because like it's different it's not different it's just Okay, so I think about this a lot. So people have these memes that go around talking about like, well, Cardi B is supposed to be a role model and she's out here talking about her wet ass pussy and influencing these young kids. And, you know, this is just whole culture and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, to that I say, Cardi B is a grown ass woman. Megan Thee Stallion is a grown-ass woman, just like R. Kelly was a grown-ass man, and Chris Brown's a grown-ass man. They talk about nasty stuff on their songs, but their songs are not targeted at children, right? Their songs are targeted at adults who do adult, adult things, right? So don't come around talking about how, you know, it's disrespectful for... Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion to be talking about their wet ass pussy when you have that conversation with your friends sometimes in front of your kids right it's hypocritical it's wrong you shouldn't do that and so that's where for me like there has to be a distinction though because like yes these are artists and we shouldn't hold them up on a pedestal and they shouldn't necessarily be role models we understand that sometimes they create work that is not in the work they create is disseminated and you know sometimes it gets to the ears for who is not intended for but that doesn't mean it was marketed towards that group right that's just how the world works with the internet and streaming and you know that's just that's kind of how it goes but that's different to me then being someone in that position, being an influencer, and then consciously making an effort to do things against your culture, right? And so Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, they're making a song. It's art. It will get out there. But for you to make a stand and say, no, I'm not going to boycott Gucci because I want Gucci, that's different. That's just that's just different to me because you're not only saying like, oh, I'm not I'm doing it because it's part of my art. You're just doing it because, no, I'm being selfish. No, that's just because I want to do it. 
that's different. And so that makes a different impression than, say, a song. Because even kids understand it's a song. And most of the kids understand it's not for them. They understand that they're not supposed to be singing along with this. They understand that it's not for them. They understand that there's content in it not meant for them. Because you hear them sing it in silent or you see them bop into it somewhere else. Not necessarily in front of the dogs who would pop them in the mouth. They caught them singing it, right? And so... And that's, and that's been true for ages, right? That you can trace that back to Marvin Gaye and kids singing his songs that were not meant for them and, you know, getting in trouble from parents because they're not supposed to be listening to this content, right? So that's different than not being supportive when everybody else is like, hey, that company has done something wrong that ne- that negatively affects our community. And then you go, well, I don't care. I got money. And it doesn't really affect me, right? It's, that's that's what's different. It's like you, when people like try to remove themselves from the community because they think they've made it so far and they have so much money that they are no longer a part of the community. But, you know, even Kanye said it. He said, even, even if you are... In a bench, you're still a nigga in a coop, right? Like, they don't care. They don't care. Like, to in their eyes, you're still part of the community no matter how much money you have. So, you could be out here rich and famous and someone pull you over, a cop pulls you over, and you still a black man in a neighborhood in an expensive car. And they're wondering what you're doing here because you don't look like you belong, right? So, you cannot ever distance yourself in the community because the way things are set up you will always be a part of it no matter how much money you have so that's where distinction is for me like and also it's just also like why is cardi b like that pisses me off megan and megan stallion and cardi b being chastised but like we were letting r kelly running around with underage women for how long before something was done People have been, men have been making songs about all types of nasty shit for how long? And they don't get chastised. But as soon as women express their sexuality, they're getting chastised. I might have touched on this before, but it still pisses me off every time I think about it. Because it's like, women like sex too? Question mark? Like, (laughs) it's not, it's not news. And guys want to have sex with women, so... Why is it all of a sudden disgusting that women are talking about sex? I would prefer that they did because maybe guys would learn something. The amount of stories I hear of women like not enjoying sex or having bad experiences because they don't they don't feel like they can talk about it with guys. Maybe if you heard it in a song, you would know what to do better. But I digress. Um, yeah. Whew, a lot on my mind. Uh, and then I touched on this before, I think like in the very first episode. Um, but I wanted to bring it back up. And that is black people in the anime world. So that's my anime section for today. Um, I love, I love, 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 love that black people have embraced like fully embrace anime and the culture and you know just want to be a part of zeitgeist and i think that's cool for me because i i've always kind of identified as a nerd i was the ap student i was the one that was always you know just kind of grinding away at doing school work and i kind of I didn't get into like Dungeons and Dragons and all that other stuff, but I got into anime heavy and, you know, you kind of feel like if you start talking about it, you'll be ostracized because, you know, that's not quote unquote black, right? It's different. It's strange. It's not even from this side of the world. Um, But as I've been getting older and I've been, you know, exposed to more humans, it has been become so much more clear that black people are really 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 into the anime into anime and um it just it like lifted a lot of weight off of my shoulders because 
it I feel included, you know, and, it's, and this is not necessarily people who consider themselves nerds or geeks or anything. These are just regular people who just like me came up on like Dragon Ball Z and then decided to venture out. And it it just it's like a warm embrace, you know, just to see other black people talking about something that I'm so interested in now. As anything with black people, sometimes the conversation goes a little bit too far and it just becomes this whole like weird like battle of sorts. Like we love battles. We love like rap battles, things of that nature. And when it comes to anime, like that those are some of the biggest, most dumbest arguments and battles that happen. I know it's not just black people, but the the extremity that I see from some of these black folks who are like solely dedicated to like manga and anime just sometimes just whoo make me tired um so i've i've contemplated and i think i came to this conclusion on the first episode too but just reiterating it because i just find it so interesting i was wondering for a while why black people worse like have gotten into anime so heavily when no, it necess- doesn't necessarily reflect anything in our culture and how we handle things. And I think it's, it has to do with, like, at least for action animes, how it's, or like Shonen Jump, as they would say, um, has to do with, like, the underdog nature of how these protagonists, like, gain power, gain success, or gain fame right and so like these are people who are usually outcast they are shunned for for whatever reason they're like super weak and then we watch them grow into you know this strong powerful you know successful person over time and that journey isn't capturing for anyone, but I think for black Americans, it watching anime is like watching the American dream finally come true. You know, like the whole like idea of like being pulled up from your bootstraps and, you know, working real hard to get what you want. You can make yourself anything in this country and that necessarily hasn't been true for a lot of citizens here. And, but to watch it, happen for someone it's kind of cathartic and it's like well maybe i can if this little animated character can do it i can persevere i can make it through this hard times they're getting ninja stars thrown at them and they got back up and kept fighting so i can you know go out here and face another day i feel like that has something to do with it um but also, like, some anime have kind of, like, embraced hip-hop culture, too. Like, uh, Samurai Champlo. Like, that one, they got, like, beats in it and, like, breakdancing. And, like, there's, like, some interesting crossovers and mixtures that happen that's really cool. Because Japanese people really have embraced hip-hop. Um, and that's one reason I want to go to Japan and, like, like stay there for a bit. Um to try to get an understanding of like what hip hop means to Japanese people and what it, why they've become like some of the front runners and like the actual style of hip hop, like breaking, like Japanese people are some of the best breakers in the world now, which kind of makes me sad because like that's something that black people cultivated here in the States and like it's such an American thing because it was made by American blacks. But like the Japanese people just like took it to a whole nother level. And I wonder why, why does it resonate with them so much? What is it about the style and, um, you know, what about it, about the culture do they appreciate? Um, and I also just want to train with them. I think that would be really cool to, to learn breaking from like some Japanese B-boys. I think that would be super dope. So, but yeah, I think that's one of the reasons black people have really gravitated towards it. I, I think this like this whole idea of like the underdog finally winning and you know being shown as the prominent figure and being you know just the top dog 
it's like really cathartic and feels nice to finally see happen. Um, and for so long, we have been the outcast. We have been the group that's been looked down upon and ostracized and oppressed. And I think watching, I know for me, it feels nice to see the protagonist like finally break through a slump and, you know, win a fight that they necessarily wouldn't have been able to but they trained and they got better and they got stronger and it like progressed that way and um i think that's one of the reasons again that one piece pissed me off because i see no training arc but, but whatever 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 if i go down that road i'll be on that road but anyway that's has been another episode of lab not to cry thanks for riding with me um thanks for all the listeners has been kicking it with me um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at laugh not to cry p1 or on Instagram at laugh underscore not underscore two underscore cry. You can slide in DMs, you know, give me any comments or suggestions. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. Peace.